If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Surviving BPD Relationship Breakups podcast with your host, AJ Mahari. This podcast will give you an in-depth understanding of borderline personality disorder, whether you have it or a loved one, partner, ex, friend, adult child, or sibling of someone with borderline personality disorder. AJ Mahari is a counselor and trauma recovery coach who has 30 years experience working with those surviving borderline personality relationship breakups in all relationship types healing from codependency, inner child healing, family of origin healing, and self-differentiation, narcissistic abuse recovery, and much more. Keeping it real to help you heal. Abuse is not love. You can find this podcast at ajmahari.ca, where you can also purchase and book sessions with AJ Mahari. Please also subscribe to AJ Mahari's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ajmahari. Topic is after a BPD breakup, codependent patterns. What's up with the codependent patterns? Because are they helping you, or are they? So. Whoops! <laughs> I always forget to do that. Or are they blocking your recovery? And of course, it isn't going to be the same for everybody because everybody's not in the same place or going through the exact same thing. So. Codependent patterns, there are many of them, so I'm not going to talk about all of that, but in terms of the protective patterns and after the breakups, but okay, some codependent patterns generally, right? People often with codependency have difficulty making decisions. You judge often if you have codependency after BPD breakup, especially, you know, what they think, what they and others think, say, or do, or what they've done that was so harsh and really mean, um, and you feel like you're just not good enough, you might feel like everything is your fault, that can be from the BP relationship, that can also go back to childhood, everything what I just said goes back to childhood, actually. So people with codependency can be embarrassed to receive recognition or praise or gifts, uh, even maybe uh, have a little difficulty in receiving love, which is another part of the pattern, generally in codependency, that leaves people having trouble, uh, I mean, that leads people into these type of relationships where you end up being with somebody who actually can't give you what you need. Some people with codependency have intimacy issues, and, you know, it varies. And so, People with codependency don't really perceive themselves, uh, you know, in, in a, well, unbeknownst to you consciously. You don't perceive yourself as lovable 
or as a worthwhile person. But that's often going on in the unconscious of many people with codependency. So the thing is, you know, what really happens in these relationships? Well, there's a lot. Okay, no, that's not what I want to talk about. There's a lot that goes on in the relationships. But what happens after the breakup that really impedes the recovery of people with codependency, not only from the relationship, but from codependency? This is where these patterns really kick in and really make a difference. Um, oh, hi there, Natalie. Um, hey, Rick, thank you for the super chat. How, how nice of you. How kind. Thank you. And um, I'm doing okay. How are you, Wheels? So where was I? Because what I really want to talk about is, <clears throat> so there are these, there's these patterns that kick in, right? Protective responses, people with codependency after the BPD relationship breakup, if not before. And of course, these patterns go back to childhood and to the roots of the adverse childhood experience that anybody with codependency has in any type of relationship with a borderline or a narcissist but specifically talking a lot about BPDXs here. So what happens is rumination increases. I mean, the cognitive dissonance is one thing, but I wanted to key in on kind of the rumination and then the negative core beliefs, which I'm not going to get into specifics here because there's so many of them, but the, these are two aspects, two key central protective patterns in the uh, repetition compulsion cycles of codependency that keep people uh, rather stuck focusing on the X, uh, not focusing on self, but also those negative core beliefs along with an inflamed internal critic. And that comes from different places, you know, comes from the X, comes from parents and, and a critical or you know, trouble narrative because codependency is adverse childhood experience as well. Okay. So I, I'm trying to make this point pivot here and I keep kind of forget where I'm going here. Um, I know where I'm going, but I just, what was I going to say to get there? Uh, yeah. So the rumination increases, you know, there's the cognitive dissonance. There's all the things that people know they're suffering with after the BPDX, right? The longing, the, the, the just, inability to let go, why people can't get to no contact, why people just keep feeling, you know, like, you know, feeling too much empathy for the person that just hurt you in the relationship and or parents still, um, not having empathy for self really. Uh, what are some other things? Let me think here. Um, some people, whether they know it or not with codependency, trying to operate on like the golden rule, right? You want people to, you want to do unto others as people would do unto you. Only you're kind of missing the part there. So this could be unconscious again. You're missing the part where how, how the BPDX did onto you, right? So it doesn't mean you want to treat them the same way, but it's like people with codependency get into this sort of like, but you know, I can't, if, if like I get angry or if I stop focusing on them or if I stop ruminating or if I really have to get into my own healing recovery process, 
um, well, I can't, like, confront them, or I can't do conflict, or some people are very angry, some people can't get in touch with their anger at all, and what happens is people are, it's a cognitive, uh, the, the, sorry, core, core, I'm getting it all mixed up now, hmm, a little tired, but other than that, you know, what, what else is new? Um, worked a lot today. Um, negative core beliefs, that's what I'm talking about negative core beliefs that you aren't worthy enough this is unconscious right that you don't have any rights that you can't handle conflict maybe you don't know how um or or some people are very conflictual passive aggressive but really what happens for so many people is you're more wrapped up in how this person is thinking about you right now how it ended you know all that focus and then where it goes back to the work of like how I work with clients, family of origin and the inner child healing work. And there's other pieces of this too. But the thing is, so, so the negative core beliefs are coming from childhood. You got an in, inflamed internal critic from taking on the narrative, you know, um, interjecting the narrative of the BPDX or the NARCX if it would, or, or parent or whatever. And, and it could be, uh, a borderline and or narcissistic parent or one of each or comorbidity, you know, one with both BPD and PD. So people with codependency are in either sort of this freeze or fawning response where it's like deference is just continually given to the BPDX as it's kind of been given for many people with codependency, to a parent or parents for a long time, like your whole life at whatever age this started. So the way these things are actually interconnected has a lot to do with the patterns in codependency and also the reason why it is going to be so uh, important and equally difficult, unfortunately, for people to, um, to, to break these patterns and learn to focus on self. And to do that, what's really important about that is really getting into therapy and doing the family of origin and inner child healing and other aspects of the work. Because many people believe that somehow they can just heal from the BPDX, that relationship and all that happened, but really, and, and that no closure aspect of it, really to find the closure, it's doing this deeper work that goes back to your childhood. Because when you get through that and you open to that process and you start moving through that process, this is where you're really going to find the answers. Not really is it about the BPDX anymore. And in many ways, it feels that way consciously. That's what you're focused on. But in the unconscious, though, for a lot of people with codependency, you know, it's the crisis meeting with the opportunity, right? The crisis is what just happened, how you feel, the difficulty, you can't stop focusing on them, you know, the why question, which people should try to stay away from. So all of this just adds to the way that people with codependency are trying to protect themselves after the BPD relationship breakup. But in all that protection and all that wanting to understand them and quote, why did they do this? Why did they do that? Or for some people, they're even asking the question, is this relationship really over? All of this stuff that keeps people with codependency from going no contact. 
And then that's really difficult. So it's all intertwined and it all has the underpinnings in childhood, negative core beliefs, and also this way that a lot of people with codependency will conflict avoidant, feel guilty every time you you move, every time somebody else is saying anything to you. It's like you just don't know how to be there for you. And of course, like I've said before, codependency is that dysfunctional relationship to and with self that happens in childhood, adverse childhood experience. And then, so basically, people that are ruminating, rumination, as horrible as it is after the breakup, if you're codependent, is really a protection. It keeps you in the repetition compulsion cycle of codependent protective patterns that yes, increase your pain and suffering, but keep you out of having to sort of like look at your issues and what happened to you, which is not only in the relationship, but going back to childhood. So the very protective patterns and repetition compulsion cycles and codependency that exist are what keep people so focused on the X on the longing, on the, like, you can't let go. And all this protection is against the loss, the loss of the ex, the loss of the relationship. It also goes back to negative core beliefs about, well, I might not find anybody else. And especially in the world today and how you're supposed to meet. And so people are like really reacting with codependency from their past Focus on the BPDX as if it, everything is about them. Lots is, but you know, it, it has a pattern. It goes deeper, right? It connects back to childhood. So there's that, that, so there's the past element of that. Even if you just got ghosted, discarded, or just broke up with somebody with BPD. And so people are there and focused on that a lot. And then also people are focused on you know, some of these negative core beliefs, whether consciously aware of it or not, that are in the future. So like, I'll never find someone else. I'm not good enough. I need this person back because there won't be anybody else. Uh, you know, all this, I got to make it right. Cause if I don't make it right, like they're going to think I'm horrible. And, and, and all this stuff, cacophony of just like thoughts and, and ruminating things that people with codependency are actually it's a repetition compulsion cycle of protective patterns, as I said, but it's actually keeping you from the direction you need to go in. And it keeps people from being able to do no contact. So very difficult stuff. And it's important for people to get into therapy, to talk about it, strategize. If you're having trouble going no contact, or you recycled a relationship once, twice, three, four, five, endless times, because some people do it a lot of times. Cycles around faster and faster, you just get spit out the other end again. Because what can possibly change after the relationship doesn't work in the first place? If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Um, when the person with codependency hasn't sought any um, therapy or changed at all for what's going on for them, and all the woundedness now on top of the woundedness, the woundedness from the BPDX, and then the person with BPD needs a lot of therapy. And if they're not going to therapy, even if they're going to therapy, like are they getting anywhere? It takes a long time. So people that are are not going no contact, and you might not understand all the reasons why consciously, but if you don't go no contact, that's your first roadblock. And and then there are so many others. But among them, chief among them really is this idea of like the reality of focus on the past, focus on, on the BPDX and the past focus that can also go then to childhood, whether consciously or not, and, or what's going to happen in the future. And guess what? You're not in the here and now at all. And, um, it's really important to be in the here and now to try to make some decisions in the here and now. And to try to become more aware. And this is where therapy is really helpful. So even if you can't get to no contact, even if you're not sure if the relationship is over, even if there's recycling, I work with clients who are in all different stages of this. It doesn't matter what stage you start the process with. If, if I resonate with you, I'm out here to work with you. Um, it doesn't matter because it, what matters more is just get into therapy, get working with somebody because otherwise you're going to be in these loops. And people don't understand, consciously aren't aware of what uh, what's driving all the loops. And so people are aware of, you know, the cognitive dissonance, the no closure. And these are important things and more, but they're not really what's driving you to stay stuck. And on that hamster wheel of maybe stealth reverse social media hoovers on your part, Maybe, you know, uh, not going no contact. So the ex is hoovering you and, you know, how are you supposed to move forward? And the reality is that in the unconscious aspect of people's codependency, it's, it's like, even no matter what, you know, intellectually, emotionally, there's a big part of you. It does not want to absorb this loss. It does not want to look at what really is. This relationship is either like it really doesn't work or it's over or maybe you're not accepting it's over. So it's, it's complicated because so many people will recycle. More and more these days people are doing that. So, and, and what's at the bottom of this too for people with codependency? It's really control. 
And do I mean like you're some kind of control freak? No, not at all. But it's, it's, a, it's an unconscious kind of control that people with codependency are acting from because it's protective. It's at the center of the repetition compulsion, um, you know, codependent patterns of protecting that started with the adverse childhood experience. So it's about control. So what is that control factor? What, what is it that people with codependency are trying so hard to control? You're trying to control because you do, you know, it's control. In, in, how can I put this? You're trying to control that the outcome of something that you can't control that's already happened, or you're not sure if it's on again, off again or whatever. But trying to, this control is really all for the purpose, it's often unconscious, for the purpose of protecting yourself against loss. Loss of the relationship, loss of how this person made you feel in the beginning. So it's very much about those feelings and not as much about the person always. And it's against the loss of then, then when you get into therapy and you look at the rest of the, the codependent patterns, it's like there's going to be in the healing and recovery process after these relationships for people with codependency, there's going to be a lot of work to do and there's a lot more losses. So you have to deal with the loss of the ex, deal with the loss of yourself to whatever degree in that relationship. How did you lose a part of yourself? in your childhood that created the codependency in the first place, loss of friends that aren't healthy, that you didn't realize, and sometimes having to look at the family of origin and sometimes having to work your way through what might need to be no contact with a parent that you might not have ever imagined would happen. So the codependent patterns that are driven, that are really brought to the fore, whether consciously or not, after the BPD relationship breakup, which everybody focuses on the cognitive dissonance, the unhealthy bond, you know, the, the no closure, which are, yes, important, but they're not actually what's driving your rumination. They're not actually what's keeping you focused so much on the X because you're trying to control not losing what you felt, how good they made you feel, how you want that person back. But more to the point in the multi-layered aspect of it, you're trying to keep yourself out of, and this is unconscious until people start to realize, you're trying to keep yourself out of where you really need to go to be able to heal, not only from this relationship, but from your childhood and the codependency. And so that's the controlling factor that's unconscious, that seeks to just go to this, I don't want to say delusional, but place, illusional place of this doesn't have to be over. This can't be over. I, I, I don't know what to do if this is over because it's going to take you into things about your past. And it's all this, this big fight against loss, multi-layered loss. So of the X, of the feelings that they gave you, of the of the way that you felt seen, you thought, you know, you experienced feeling seen and heard and validated like never before, maybe for a lot of people with codependency. So with all this going on, you know, it, it's it's really what drives and some people 
it drives everything that is taking people's codependency in the wrong, the opposite direction from what is the healing and recovery path. So it's very painful without a doubt, but negative core beliefs and inflamed internal critic, family of origin, wounded inner child, adverse childhood experience. And all of that is what led you one way or another in the unconscious from the unconscious to end up with a borderline or narcissist. So these are repetition compulsions and codependency also because it's replaying out the adverse childhood experience. And there really are that big, that big, that um, pervasive and profound connections between the wounded inner child, what happened in family of origin, why you have codependency and the ex. And then I've had clients even say, like I've said before, many people will say, oh, you know, if they were married to the, to the person with BPD or a nar narcissist, well, I married my mother or father. It doesn't matter what gender or whatever. It's like, um, even if you're, if you're a heterosexual male, you might well have married your mother or your father. It, it doesn't matter, um, in the gender aspect of it. And the other thing is, or yeah, people start to become aware that, wow, like in the healing recovery process, I have a lot of clients going through this now and have for like over 30 years of so my 31st year working with people in these areas. And they come to realize, oh, oh, wow. Like my ex BPD girlfriend or wife, just like my mother or my BPD ex boyfriend or husband, just like my father and, or sometimes just like my mother and my father. And, and this is really difficult for people that, um, you know, in the process, but, but the more you focus on the cluster B or the BPD X or the narcissist, whatever the case, the more you are walking down a path of increasing your suffering, obviously not knowingly or consciously or on purpose, spinning your wheels, being on that hamster wheel of denial, because wow, it's really painful. And so much is coming at you. And what the borderline or the narcissist throws at you is going to be, especially to your wounded inner child, so familiar, so familiar to why you're in this pursuit pattern, how you ended up in this you know, relationship that turns out to be not only a relational impossibility with these people, the untreated BPD, or of course, narcissists, it's impossible. And the more impossible it is on an unconscious level, the more determined many codependents are to try to make it work. That's what all the recycling is about. But it's, it's, it's like people think it's in the here and now of man, woman, man, man, woman, woman, relationship. And I got to have that person back in the way they made me feel. And yeah, it's that too, but wow, is it underpinned by a whole lot of other things? This is why when I talk about it, like it's not, I don't want people to think it's so daunting, but to get into therapy and into this healing recovery process, which is multi-layered is the way to go because it's, it's what people really need to understand all of this. And it isn't easy work to do. It can be painful at first, but it won't be more painful than what you're putting yourself through right now. And you don't mean to be, you're not consciously aware that you are with longing for them and ruminating about them endlessly. And for some people, 
over time, that rumination gets worse because it's one of the codependent patterns. Repetition compulsion cycles. Uh, I mean, yeah, repetition compulsion of defending against inevitable loss. And in the case of many people with a BPDX, never mind the loss of childhood de- in childhood that created the codependency, but many people are not accepting that the relationship to the, the person with BPD or the narcissist, the ex, it's over. Or if it's not over, because, you know, people in the middle of the, you know, limbo place of maybe I can hoover, they'll hoover me. Well, that's just denial and that's increasing your suffering. And it's all in the avoidance of loss. And you've already experienced this loss in childhood to a degree. And you're almost volunteering to re-experience it again. And this is where I'd like to just remind codependents very gently that if you start to recycle, if you if you don't get to no contact, which is difficult, and I work with clients to do that too, you don't have to have no contact all figured out to get into therapy, whether you want to work with me or whoever you choose to work with. It's so important to know that it's just this inability to let go, and it's because the borderline X is so representative of something that caused your woundedness, adverse childhood experience, the different gradations of that for different people in childhood that caused the codependency in the first place. So it is kind of like a vicious cycle. And, you know, there's nothing, uh, I don't like the word fair, unfair, but it's, it's a horrible thing to have to go through, you know, and, and people give deference to the ex because you're just trying so hard to not have to suffer this loss and it is the classic case of your childhood set you up for this. It's not your fault. And then people with BPD, well, what happens to them sets them up for the same thing. And it's like I've said before in other videos, this is an unconscious setup between people with BPD or narcissists and codependents. And nobody knows going in, not the first time. Oh, my point was going to be, but if you're doing this the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, and add a, you know, ad infinitum. I've had people that have done it 20, 30 times um, over the course of years, recycling the relationship. Um, oh, geez, I get to an apex of a point and it, it bleh. Anyway, the recycling aspect of it is just, again, protecting yourself from the inevitability of loss. And may I just repeat, loss that's already been experienced. Because this person with BPD has already split to devalued you, split you to devaluation, and they've already probably said a whole lot of stuff to you, blamed you for everything, and you're left all confused and wondering, like, what did I do? And then there's the woulda, coulda, shouldas. And all of this, you know, it is is fueled not only by your experience of the BPDX or narcissist X, uh, X narc, however we say that, but again, it goes back to what's underpinning that negative core beliefs, you know, an inflamed inner critic, a wounded inner child from childhood. So nobody's going to work out the BPD, this relationship that you've just gone through that, you know, this horrible experience really, that was great, but like, and you're confused, but nobody's going to work it out by focusing on the cluster B. They just aren't going to, and videos are helpful and books are great and all the knowledge you can stuff in your head. Wonderful but it doesn't get into your emotional landscape and for change and healing, it's all about your emotional landscape. So anyway, 
let's see what people are saying here. Because I just, that's about what I wanted to say. And maybe I've forgotten something. But you never know. It might come up. It might come out after all. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Um. Uh, oh, Natalie said, hey, and she's off, and okay. Um, I'm sorry to hear it's still rough wheels. Um, yeah, that's that's really at the heart of codependence for a lot of people. You said their wheels. You realize that you just settle for very poor treatment because you don't think you deserve anything better. And, I mean, how could you have learned that you might deserve something better with all that you've been going through for your life? And, um, yeah, well, people with codependency do take on fault and blame when it's not your fault and you're not to blame. And, um, yeah, you just have to keep, keep working on that. Uh Oh, they're waking up. It could get wild. Um, that was Jake protecting a bone, but it means the puppy's up and I apologize for it. It could be a little chaotic. Um, out to see, um, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, Medicare, why do BPDs Hoover after breakup? Are there other typical <coughs> BPD patterns after a breakup? Well, there's all kinds of myriad of patterns. But people with BPD, just like codependency, not saying they're the same, but not all people with BPD hoover. And uh, many, many various reasons why they hoover, um, which I think I've talked about in videos. And um, we'll talk more about maybe if necessary. And um, yeah, so... So you're, you're doing, which is fine, no criticism, right? But you're focusing back on the BPD again. What about, are you codependent? Do you have codependent patterns I'm talking about? Do you need to know more about that? Um, hey there, Dave B. Um, thank you for helping me realize this, AJ. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, and wheels, um, because realization, you know, is the beginning of change too. And, and it can be painful to get to that realization. And, um, yeah, uh, Buffy lay down. Oh, they're going to go crazy here. Well, you know, that's, that's sort of the inculcation and the training that you've gone through wheels, unfortunately, in that, you know, dysfunctional and then some family of yours. And so these are the patterns and that have to be broken. And what's important in breaking the patterns, especially in therapy, people shouldn't try to do this all their own on their own is the fact that it goes to negative core beliefs. It's really deep inside. It's multi-layered. And Lisa, hi, Jake. Glad to see um, this right now. Really going through it. I'm sorry to hear that. I can't believe how badly I've been, um, uh, yeah, really, and hurt. 
I'm so isolated with it, no one to talk to about it, and happen to see this. Well, yeah, and that that's a really huge thing for people, the isolation, right? Not only the isolation after getting ghosted, discarded, or, you, or when people, because lots of people choose, like they have to leave the relationship because they realize people say, I'm losing my mind. They were driving me crazy. I didn't know who I was anymore. But yeah, it's very isolating. And then it's even more isolating in this world today when people are in isolation, you know, so... So that's a really uh, factor that's weighing heavily and making everything much more complicated. And then also to what you said, Lisa, it's it's so, so difficult. And I see this with clients all the time too, you know, because even if you, there's someone you could talk to about it, chances are if they haven't been through it, right, they, they don't understand. And even people that really care about people, and, you know, they're like, are you still talking about that? I don't know what you're talking about. How come you're not over that? And and I just would like to add in here to say and make it really clear that, you know, I'm not, not negating what happens to people after they've been with a narcissist. But these relationships with people with BPD, because BPD is not NPD, and, and things unfold can be some similarities, but there are differences. I keep hearing people say, and I've seen it written online as well, and I've had lots of clients tell me this, these relationships are with a person with BPD, this breakup, the BPD relationship breakup, one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult for people to handle. And I had one person say to me, yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense. And that's how they were feeling. And they said, because with narcissists, okay, not necessarily covert, but maybe at, in time, things are a little bit more obvious or blatant or or even kind of often more on purpose. So people get all scared. Hey, Jake. Sorry, he's a resource guarder. Uh, people get all, you know, kind of caught up in, was this on purpose? Was that on purpose? Was this, you know? And that's what really doesn't help. And Dave, I have never felt so seen and then so unseen by one person. Yeah, it's very true. It must have been such a longing for being seen and validated. It stems from a lack thereof in childhood. Well, that's exactly what it is. And, of course, people aren't aware of it at the time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and then when you feel so seen, you know, in the honeymoon phase of the idealization phase, when the, when the relationship starts, which is where it also begins to end, but nobody knows that person with BPD doesn't know it person with codependency doesn't know it the first time around for sure. And, um, so yeah, so you, you feel so seen, so heard, so, so, uh, validated. And then it turns out, but like, not really, you know, and, and it's so painful because then people are being rewounded by what they've been wounded by in childhood also. <clears throat> so very complicated. And Cheryl, I think a lot of people at BPD ruminate um, constantly or often, and really it goes to something more accurately described as uh, perseverating, which is which is maybe not seemingly so different, but it does come from a different place and is motivated differently. And by the way, I appreciate all the thumbs up I can get because we're going to get the opposite too. <clears throat> but people who aren't even paying attention, but they like to do that. Um, Dave, I ruminate every day. It's exhausting and crazy making. 
so much, um, so many injustices and betrayals, but there is um, never closure that comes from it. It must be rooted in the past. Yeah, like I'm saying, well, yeah, it, it very much truly is. And it's it's very much not an easy process to go through in recovery because it takes time to work one's way to the realizations that people need to figure out as to the roots of the codependency and what's really replicated in repetition compulsion <laughs> in the relationship with a person with BPD. So it's not like it's all happening for the first time to people. Uh, maybe some of it, but not all of it. And um, slap the bass. Um, did I get that right? I think. Um, you've been missed. I hope you're enjoying your breaks. Oh, well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I do take some breaks. And uh, right now, the, you know, puppy nonsense, too, keeps me kind of, like, occupied. And and uh, I, I pretty much knew she'd have to wake up in the middle of this. And Anyway, going to have another little video coming, whether tonight, later, or tomorrow. Um, I took a little video of them. And, oh... When they first started to play and Buffy was really overwhelming the puppy, but the puppy started to, like, defend herself back. Then they almost had a fight, though. But anyway, I digress. Um, Lisa, um, can someone have BPD and not have abandonment fear? Um, they were the ones that kept throwing me out. Well, just because they throw you out doesn't mean they don't have abandonment fear. It's like uh, they're going to abandon you before you can abandon them. So it really isn't that they lack fear of abandonment. It's just that not all people with BPD take the same route. Some are clingy and needy, and the fear of abandonment is such that, like, they, they're the clinginess, the neediness, the trying to get you back even if you do leave. And then there's others that are going to, like, go, yeah, get out of here. By the way, I have a video on it. It's called, I can't remember what it's called. It's called, I don't know if wheels can find it. Um, it's called Just Say No, the other side of, um, yeah, I don't know. But 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 on the um, thumbnail, it says Just just Say No. It's it, where I talk about in that video. And also I have a video <clears throat> called Why Does the Borderline Abandon You? Because what they're doing is it's fear of abandonment. So there's the just go. It's like, just go. I've had enough of you get out of here that we don't hear a lot about people BP, BPD can do. And what they're doing is they're, they're abandoning you before you can abandon them. It's still abandonment fear. And same with the other, the video I did on, um, why does the borderline abandon you? And it's the same thing to be in control or the pseudo control of abandoning before they're going to get abandoned. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, purple. Um, not sure what the last is there. Well, thank you so much for that. That's very kind of you. Um, Ashley, um, uh, in contemplating putting my children back into school on the new, um, yes, that schedule of four days a week instead of two days a week hybrid, just so I won't see their father. Well, yeah, I mean, and you have to try to be up on the latest of what's happening and what's really going on. And What's it all about? And what are the risks? Because, you know, it beats me, you know, that, that they're saying all this stuff. And it's like, but schools are open. But this is all this horrible stuff is happening, apparently. But schools are open. I don't know. It must be very confusing. And um, 
And Ashley said, just being around him stirs too much emotion. I can't heal the PTSD I got from him by being around him. Hey, you two have to stop it because we, we don't even know if you like each other right now. Puppy, lay down. Seriously, they had almost a big fight out there. Yeah, hi, pup. Hi, pup. I can't really do much more than just pat your head right now, pup. So uh, where was I? Um, yeah, uh, so in contemplating putting children back into school. Oh, ow, puppy, don't eat my fingers. Um, so, so I wonder, I, you don't have to share it here, but like, I wonder when you say, so you won't have to see their father, I take it then maybe you're not together anymore. Um, but with children, of course, you can't go total no contact. <clears throat> and you said just being around him, um, stirs too much. Well, yeah, it would be very, uh, triggering. So I wonder if that's around, um, uh, like, I guess what, what I'm saying is I hope you're not still in the relationship. Hey, puppy, cut that out. Oh, my God, the things they get up to when you're busy. They know. It's like they have this radar, you know. Um, Lisa, I'll look for it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I, you know what? I wonder if I, I, I can try to just quickly find them and put them in here myself. Just give me a second here. Because... The one that I did is probably pretty unique in terms of people really haven't covered it at all. That's what I mean. Not like the most unique information on the planet. I don't mean it that way. Oh, I got to stop caveating. Um, I'm just going to try to find it really quickly. I apologize for the dog noises. I hope people can understand that uh, when the puppy wakes up, it's going to be crazy for a little bit. And then who knows if she's going to be tired enough to go to sleep anytime soon. Um, okay, so I have to think of the title. Just give me one second. I can definitely put... I can find the one real quick. Whoops, I think. I'm thinking, you know, there has to be a way... I've said this before. Whoops, I forgot to put my name behind it. Otherwise, you won't find it. Um, of cataloging these things or something. I don't know. Okay, so I have to click on Bandit. the page. Stop it real quick. And this one. Then I hope I can find the other one. I have to get the correct title for it, though. Uh, let me see here. Because I changed a few titles. Yes, okay. Right. Used to be simple. Now it's more complex with the titles. Okay, so this is... The link I just put in is that video. And then just give me another minute here. If I could just remember more about it. Oh, jeez, because I did it a while ago. Um... Yeah, I'm not finding with what I'm searching with because I don't have the right title. Ah. And, of course, it won't just pop. I have too many videos. That's a problem. You ever start looking for one of them? Even when I start looking for one of them, I can't find it. Okay, so. Uh, um, Let me try. I don't know what I called it.
Okay, one last try here. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Oh, it popped up, Pat. What do you know? I didn't have the right Good title, you, but I found it. I'm gonna have to change this title. Actually, it's not not. Uh, yeah, you need some SEO improvement. But at least I found it. So here it is. And then on I the subject of people to, with borderline oh, personality disorder, telling a partner, again. girlfriend, shush, boyfriend shush, shush video. Okay, there we go. So here comes the title first. I can't believe it has that title. I couldn't have remembered that title if somebody would have paid me to. I just, yeah. I'm going to be, H, pup, I'm going to be fixing that later. So, yeah, there you go. Hopefully those will be helpful. But it is fear of abandonment. So just because they might look like they're telling you to get lost, pushing you out, it doesn't mean it's not still fear of abandonment. Hey, pup, really? Buffy, lay down. Lay down, Buffy. Now that I've seen how, how this can go wrong between the two of them, it's like, wow. Anyway, um, I seem to be typing more than other people. Hang on. Um, oh, Ashley said... Um, oh, okay. Uh, and then you said, no, we aren't. I divorced him. Oh, good. I couldn't take it anymore. Well, good for you because, yeah, no, I totally understand what people mean by that. Um, and don't forget, I've had a couple of cluster B relationships and I'm not a cluster B anymore. And I got to that exact point too, where you just can't take it anymore. I know what that feels like on the other side. Um, and Otis, I've heard BPDs all sometimes project their symptoms and even have BPD onto their partners. Have you heard of, <clears throat> heard or anyone experiences, I was crazy make it was crazy making for sure. Now you know I think some people are making too much out of projection. I mean projection is huge in all of this, but if you talk about projection ad infinitum or too much, it's like who's projecting on whom or who projected on whom the most. Uh, the fact is that everybody on Earth is capable of projecting, but the difference between healthy people and cluster bees, people with codependency maybe, is that 
we can catch our projections. And maybe sometimes codependents can and they can't. But people with BPD untreated don't. So um, they're not really projecting their symptoms. They're projecting their triggered emotional dysregulation and re-experiencing a past repetition compulsion cycles to be really uh, accurate about it. And um, then you said, and even having BPD onto these, well, yeah, they, they do project, they do externalize out, but it's, it's unconscious. They're, they're not consciously aware of what they're doing, but still it doesn't matter. It hurts and people shouldn't try to stay in the relationship impossibility with an untreated person with BPD and wherever they're treating you poorly, there's, there's no love. They don't love and they don't attach. And then you also said, have you heard of anyone experiences? Everybody experiences it. If you're with an untreated people, person with BPD <coughs> or even a narcissist, and it is crazy making because it's how people with codependence start to lose themselves even more to not knowing what's going on. But it's fair, to, I mean, it's reasonable to say also that people with codependency have their own projections, not the same as people with BPD, but it can become rather a projection fest, which doesn't help people know what's going on. Jake, seriously, knock it off. Guarding a bone, nobody cares. She's playing with a toy and he's barking his, you know, what off. Lay down, Jake. <clears throat> and Lisa, it, uh, it, she cared. Okay. Um, whether I was in her life or not, I have had to go no contact again the other day because she keeps trying to talk about someone she's been dating that she told me I didn't have to worry about. Well, and it sounds like if you have to have contact because of children, that definitely you need to, well, if you can go no contact, stay no contact, that's good. But you definitely don't need to be interacting with that person. Like if there's children involved or, or maybe they're your children and, you know, I don't know the situation, but, uh, definitely you don't need to be, you know, what, what is the purpose of talking to this person anymore? Um, and then you said, not certain it's BPD or a mix of things. Well, you know what? That doesn't really matter <clears throat> in terms of the fact that you know that you can't stand anymore. It's not healthy for you. This is where people need to get into their own healing recovery journey. And like, it doesn't even matter. Are, are they bold BPD, traits of BPD, NPD, BPD, NPD, or BPD? Who cares? Bottom line is, um, that's not really the most important part. And you said it's very, well, very, yeah, whatever it is, it's very severe. That's what you got to go on. And I find it hard to believe she's not aware that it hurts me. They often aren't aware of how they impact others, but it's not an excuse that gives them carte blanche to do what they do. And that she's been um, talking about someone else even after I asked her not to. Well, yes, and typically what do they do? They don't heed boundaries at all, unfortunately. <clears throat> oh, you're welcome for those links. And um, pardon me a second, I don't know. <clears throat> Throat, probably taking a beating, trying to get, you know, the dogs to behave. Um. Ashley said, AJ, I'm angry. I'm really angry. Um, I'm angry at him for lying to me, and I'm angry at myself for having children with him. I'm angry that he has all these problems, and my children might will have this. Well, um, I, uh, yeah. I mean, that's it. 
it's something to worry about. I mean, not worry about something to be really, you know, observe them carefully and see how they're doing. But the good news is if you're the mom and the cluster B is a dad, you, you have a lot more, you can provide a lot more stability. And especially when they were younger, hopefully, you know, you were able to do that and that will be a huge difference, you know, but, but likely in like in these scenarios, even if if children have been um, got through early childhood development fairly well, uh, yeah, codependency and and or you know other aspects of difficulty and and I can understand your anger for sure, and you know you wouldn't have done wouldn't have had children with etc if you knew what was going on right. So try not to be too hard on yourself with that. But I understand your anger. It's healthy to be angry. And then you said AJ, I was having um, chest pains a few years ago that convinced me um, that if I stay any longer, I'm going to end up in the hospital or yeah. Well, and, and good that you paid attention to that because the stress, the psychological, emotional stress of all of this can impact people's health in many different ways, physically. Yes. And definitely, you know, like you, it, it's good that you paid attention to that because that could have been anxiety. Don't know. Don't know if you had it tested or not. But the thing is, like, it's it's a super sign that you're too, ow, puppy, hi, but you're biting my arm. Super sign that you're too stressed, and, it, and, and yes, it impacts people physically. And um, out to sea, how come it feels like I love and attach when I'm in a relationship? Maybe I don't have BPD. Well, I don't know, because what you experience and what the other person experiences might not be the same, but I don't know, because I don't know you. But it can, many people with BPD think, feel, believe that they're loving the other person and attaching, but it doesn't necessarily make it so. So, but I don't know where you are in, in your awareness or if you've had treatment or not. So, um, but I wouldn't uh, jump to that conclusion that it means you don't have BPD and it depends if you've had treatment or not. And Lisa, no kids, never married. Oh, well, in that case, the no contact you just went back into. <clears throat> now your work is, you know, to hold that no contact. I'm sorry, I was confusing you with Ashley. I'm sorry about that on the children front. Um, just dated for a few months um, last year, then on off. Yeah, on and off. Wow. Well, you know, and, and isn't that the, the, one of the most frustrating, painful things about all this? That even if you just date for a month or two months or a few months, it's it's just like the damage is incredible, you know. And and it's because it's layering on top of something from childhood, as I've said, with people with codependency. But still, that no contact is is such an important step. Some people won't start there, but getting to no contact, get into therapy because you need to learn how to hold that no contact and explore what's going on, not only from that relationship and that person, but more to the point, what's the roots of the codependency in your family of origin in your childhood and healing that will mean that you won't be interested in the current X and you won't be interested in another cluster B, you know, going forward in your life either. <clears throat> And actually, I failed um, giving them stability. He choked me in front of the kids. I'm so sorry to hear that that that, that happened at all, let alone in front of your kids. 
Oh, my God. And while you were pregnant, because I told him I wanted a divorce, he cheated on me countless times, but would never leave me. Oh, so sorry to hear that. Oh, God, that's terrible. So, so stressful and beyond. Um, and you said I couldn't understand why he would go out of his way to having relationships um, with drug-addicted women, but wouldn't leave me alone. Well, you know, you became that object constancy. You became that, quote, you know, like he parked his mother issues on you. And and then, you know, if it, it can take time, even if they're moving on to someone else and they don't, you know, like not just the cheating part, right? They've gone. It still takes time for them to transition to the next person or somebody they're you know, cheating on you with is likely not going to be somebody that they can, um, put the, uh, object other, you know, parent representation unconscious in an unconscious way onto. So you stay in that object other place where you represent this constancy and safety. And that's another reason. What are you eating on me here, pup? I think I need that. I don't know. Stop it. Oh, wow. Thousands of toys, but they always... Aha! I, pop! She almost made me lose the uh, entire um, thing here. Where is she? I don't know where she's getting all these papers. I have a pile of stuff beside me here that she keeps dragging out of somewhere. It's a good thing she's not good at eating paper yet. I mean, you know, she she's ripped some. But anyway, sorry for the, um, you know... The distraction. She's such, you know, she's beautiful, but man, hey, what are you, come here, come here, pop, 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 bring that, come, come here, uh, come here, okay, I don't know what she had in her mouth now, here, look, here's a ball, see the ball, oh my lord, she's all totally playful again, um, <sighs> um, where was I here? Okay, it's gone up on me again. Yep, way, way, way up. Oh, no, she jumped on it. That's why. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, well, and it's hard to ask you to try to understand why they do anything. <clears throat> That's kind of like a sinkhole you don't need to go down because it can be hard to crawl out of that one. Um, and you said, oh, boy, um, he did. He told me I should love him like a mother would love their son. Well, there you go. Wow. Um, and that solidified his mind state. Well, you know, hey, nothing healthy about that, right? Um, and how he really viewed me. Well, and that's how untreated people with BPD really do view um, anyone else. But they aren't always aware of it. And just because he said that actually doesn't mean he knows what that's really about. And out to see, I feel bad about this, but part of me wants my ex to have trouble getting over me because it means we are still connected. I don't want her to move on. Um, I wish I had a dog. Um, well, yeah, it's great if you can get a dog for sure. You know, like, um, but, um, well, you know, it's how you feel, right? So, I mean, try try to go easier on yourself. And you said part of me wants the ex to have trouble getting over you because it means you're still connected. Yeah, and you don't want her to move on. But, you know, invariably that connection 
from your side of the fence out to out to sea is is something that really goes back to something in your childhood with BPD and that you could work out through therapy. So, but I hear you and, um, sexy goddess. Um, are they always love bombing someone else when they are silent with you or devaluing and stonewalling you? Well, no, not always. And, and I still say that people with BPD are not love bombing the way narcissists do, but people just use this term. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Technology, so you know that that's fine. Um, but no, um, they're not always uh doing that with someone else when they get when they're silent or or stonewalling you in devaluation. Um, and if that's a person with quiet BPD, I don't know, um, or a covert narcissist or whatever, but uh, no, it's not always about that, but then it's hard to know what it's about because. Lots of people with BPD, quiet BPD, will go into, and, and it's not exactly the same as a narcissist stonewalling again. People, well, never mind. I won't be parsing that right now. But the bottom line is uh, often a quiet borderline will retreat, silent treatment. You're getting the silent treatment, and they're doing what they're doing because of the repetition compulsion cycles, and they don't know why they're doing it. So the two things are happening at the same time. But no, it doesn't mean that they're always cheating or love bombing or, or idealizing someone else at all. Could be, but isn't the case across the board by a long shot. Uh, but still, it's a miserable thing to go through. And it means the relationship is not working. And it really means that people need to get out at that point. But I mean, it's not so simple as to just say, like, because I said it, that you can do it. Um, Otis childhood. Yep. With a, yep. Alcoholic father helped create this part of me that ignores my needs. Well, yeah. And that would be, you know, I don't know if you relate to having codependency, but it's, but that those would be two reasons why a lot of people end up with codependency. And that is then you're going to negate your needs and, and in, in trying to pursue them from an unavailable father. I mean, when you were a child. And, and now that's happening through, or was happening through, 
a person with BPD. This is what these things are. They're so closely related and one causes the other. And you said at times it's purely selflessness. At other times it's a self-sabotaging destruction mechanism. Well, you know, I would just ask you to think about if it's purely selflessness because truly as human beings, we, you know, we kind of don't get to some altruistic selflessness, especially around these relational issues. Um, hey there, Tom. My ex-BPD is nothing but drama. Yep, they mostly usually all are. That's one thing they have in common for sure. Now she's running around with her ex. She told me she never loved. Well, yeah, because love isn't part of the equation for the untreated borderline, as I keep saying. So doesn't mean just because she's running around with the ex now that there's any love involved. Obviously, it's, I mean, this is something that people have their own feelings about. But, you know, from my perspective and what I know about this, like, how could it possibly be that they, quote, love you, unquote, or that they, quote, love you know, the ex or, or, or say they never loved them, but, but, but they bounce back and forth and it's on, it's off, it's a black, it's white, because they really don't have attachment and they really don't have, they might have a childlike love, right? But they don't have any adult, consistent, congruent kind of ability to relate, let alone love receive love or give love there's nothing talk, talk about these relationships are impossible i mean among all the other reasons because there's no mutuality from these people right it's like broken mutuality which really goes to what john bradshaw defined as mystified love that's not real or healthy quote love unquote it's it's it, this is probably a key thing people need to understand because it goes back in your childhood to a parent whether they loved you at some point or in some way or not, that certainly did not love you in a way that a child needs to be loved. And that's another sort of connecting dot in the puzzle, so to speak. And, um, yeah, goddess, my ex has outbursts and is very violent. I'm sorry to hear that when she rages. She was saying, um, loving things after a fight, but I did not want anything to do with her because I knew she was manipulating me. Uh, she then stopped. Well, and the thing is, I mean, yes, there's manipulation in that, whether it's conscious or unconscious, hard to say. It could be one or the other for various different people um, with BPD. But probably at that point, you know, at least partly from the, the, you know, the borderline's perspective, they would be not seeing the impact of necessarily how, how you feel or your feelings what they did, not taking responsibility. And then so after that, acts loving because they're trying to say, hey, just forget what just happened, you know, which is crazy. And um, yeah, well, it, it was good that you didn't um, respond to that because it's their attempt to see if you're going to just go, oh, okay, well, you know, and like just, and, and keep going on. And Tom says, I call it empty love. Well, that's interesting because yeah, that, that, that's one way to put it. But empty love is the absence of, of healthy love. So empty love has nothing to do with love. But the, yeah, emphasis on the empty. And God is talking to me right after. 
Uh, oh, then she stopped talking to me right after, so I have not contacted or spoken to her. It's been 10 days, and I want her to not contact me ever again. Well, I hope you're blocking her everywhere so that you can have that come true for you, uh, that she won't contact you. You don't give her any avenue to contact you. But she left a lot of her stuff at my house, so I think she is trying to keep connected. Oh, they all, yes, so often that happens. Or people with codependency do that the other way around sometimes. And so I don't feel safe or that I can maintain no contact, but I feel better without her in my life. Well, it depends what kind of stuff she left at your place. Like if it's big or because if it is, and it might be hard to do, but like if you're serious, and I hope you are for your sake, about no contact, you know, just get that stuff out, put it in a locker somewhere and mail her the key. Or if it's smaller stuff, you know, just kind of box it up and put it somewhere, but like, uh, you know, ship it to them, send it to them, courier it to them, because they often leave stuff behind because they, it's their excuse for definitely for hoovering. And Otis, AJ, can you explain, um, repetition compulsion? Thanks. Oh, okay. Well, just a second here. Basically it's reenacting. <coughs> I've lost my glasses now. <laughs> this is great. Um, it's reenacting, uh, what happened to them in childhood in ways that they're not consciously aware of. And what I do have is a video on that too. So I'm going to jump over here quickly and, uh, cause I think I need to do this more rather than try to keep re-explaining things. Um, but hopefully this video will be helpful. Um, and yes, it's a video. Okay. Here comes the title puppy. Not now, please don't be jumping on me now. I, I can't do two things at once and have you moving the cursor all over the place. Puppies are great until they're nuts when you need them not to be. So there's the title there and here comes the link. It's interesting because I don't even think I could prepare, uh, yeah, pre-prepare this because I never know what people are going to ask. Puppy, what are you destroying now? Hey. Oh, if you're at the box again, I don't care. Kill the box. That's fine. Okay. So yes, that video, if you go to that video, Otis, um, uh, in that borderline personality repetition compulsions explained. And, and hopefully I did a good job in the video. I don't remember, but that's what I was talking about there. And, um, Lisa, um, wow. Sounds like my ex with the extreme outbursts and rages, very, very out of control and violent, even threatened with a weapon during one of the, oh, they have blackouts. Wow. Stay the heck away from that. You know, because that's not the case with everybody with BPD, but when, when they can rage to a blackout, uh, they're dangerous because that, that just is like way less control, add to impulsivity, add to the kind of, you know, I shouldn't say crazy, the kind of like mood states they get into and, and, you know, yeah, that, that's a person, and oh, and the weapon. I mean, th this is a person with BPD. It's so severe 
that they are among the most, so they would be in like the 10% where there's nothing that you can't rule out. So for your safety, I hope you hear me. It's imperative that you stay no contact because this person could be, uh, you know, could, could take it up the ante more to the point of, let's just say some of them are in jail, not, not as many women, but there are a lot of men in, in jail with BPD. It doesn't mean all of them, but, uh, and sometimes it's for taking someone else's life too. So I'm not saying that this person would be that way, but there is that 10% males or females might be more than 10% with males, not sure with BPD that, um, they can be extremely dangerous. So, and anybody that blacks out in rage is, yeah, get away and stay away. It's imperative. It's not just about your psych, your psychological safety or emotional, ah, or emotional well-being. It's really that you're in physical danger and best to be safe rather than, you know, Hey, I'm sorry for this. Probably going to drive people crazy. Um, it drives me crazy out to sea. When I say loving things after a fight, it's because I feel so guilty about behaving badly. I'm not trying to manipulate. Well, you know, and you said I try to let the person know how much I love them. Well, I hear you, but I guess maybe one thing that you might not totally understand yet is that, so you have BPD and this is what you feel. And so after a fight, you try to say loving things because you feel so, so guilty about behaving badly. But do you know that that doesn't really change what the other person is going through at that point in time? And then you said, you're not trying to manipulate. Fair enough. But other people can experience that as being manipulative. I hope you can see the difference there. And then you said, I try to let the person know how much I love them. Well, and you will be trying to let them know how much you love them after you've hurt them. And it sounds like you might still be missing the middle piece of, and they might feel really distanced by being hurt by you. So they're really not interested in hearing how much you love them after you hurt them. So I'm not trying to be hard on you, but maybe that, you know, if you think about that, maybe that could be helpful because you, I don't know what you know or not, but what you're saying here is suggestive that, you know, there's, there's more that you would benefit from in therapy to learn because, you know, you, I don't think you're totally understanding how the other person feels when stuff happens. Um, <laughs> oh no, it's okay. I got the glasses back. Jake, Jake, Jake is over in the corner there, laying there, protecting a bone like an idiot. And nobody wants the bone. And he's got the big bark. So, uh, but that's funny. Um, and Otis, I understand the BPD is caused by a certain set of childhood, yes, circumstances. But how in the world can do this create a rigid personality construct that is so prevalent in the world? No, one person at a time, unfortunately, you know, it's, and, and, and it is rigid, but it isn't really a personality construct. I mean, because if they go to therapy, they can heal and recover. That's the real tragedy of it all. If they don't go and if they don't stick with it, if they don't get the right fit and skilled therapist, like, and more and more therapists don't want to treat them now more than ever. But, um, 
And when you say it's prevalent in the world, it is. Um, don't know to what degree or other, but it's one person at a time. It's, you know, one um, failed, in 87% of those who go on to be diagnosed with BPD, it's one failed parenting situation after another, one at a time, happening all over the place, generation to generation. It's a nightmare. And Dave, codependent manipulation is not really conscious, but generally we are trying to control the outcome due to our own abandonment fears. We apologize, but it's not re reciprocated. Yes. And um, out to see is actually somebody who has BPD. So just to know that things are going on on both sides, obviously, right? And um, God is, is blacking out. A, uh, I'm just trying to avoid AI things, but uh, one of those responses. Um well, the fact that they get in, they're triggered, They and, and the trigger is internal. I'm not saying it's your responsibility. When they get triggered to that amount of rage. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. That then that happens. Yes, it's all related to um, adverse childhood experience and, and the reenactment of that. But it doesn't excuse it. And it also, this person with what you've said so far, is, is much more severely impacted and therefore potentially much more dangerous because lots of people with BPD really aren't going to be that physically dangerous, but they can be, you know, they're, they're emotionally, you know, no joke dangerous. But uh, yeah, it, it's all part and parcel of the whole trigger response and then how it just spirals. But it, but you know, that's an explanation. Again, I make no excuse for what they do, uh, no matter what's happened to them in childhood, because they need to get into friggin' therapy and they need to learn how to take personal responsibility. And that's why these relationships are impossible. And people need to get out, go no contact, keep moving, get into therapy, do that healing recovery work from the codependency and from the relationship and then work on um, what's all the red flags and as you're ready to move forward. Because once once you really um, get in your own healing recovery process and stick with it till you're through it, you will never have to, um, you know, you won't miss the red flags of another cluster B again. And there are so many more of them out there, without a doubt. And there's so many that are untreated, which is the hugest problem of all, I think. And um, Lisa said, looks like a blackout. She calls it dissociating. Well, and it depends to what degree. I mean, um, and some people uh, with BPD, I've heard, w will say like they rage and they, they see white or they see red, I think. So not really black. 
And I mean, when I had BPD many moons ago, I remember only twice I raged to a point where I saw white freaked the living you know what out of me. And I, it just shut me up right there. And you said, yes, I agree. She um, locked us both in a room. Oh, my God. And had you cornered oh, with yes and kept calling you dead. Well, that's a psychotic break right there you're describing. Um, I'm a female and I look like, no, I, but it doesn't matter your gender, right? It do, it doesn't matter. It, you know, if you're a woman with a woman, a man with a woman and a man with a man, gender doesn't matter because, and you're, you're describing, um, a psychotic break. And so a psychotic break with triggered rage, impulse, locking you in a room, weapons. I mean, you gotta stay no contact and get lost from this person because, they are the type from what you're saying, the sub, you know, subset 10%. I mean, this person could turn around and take your life and, and don't doubt that for a second, just because they haven't done it to this point. And, uh, and I'm not saying they would, but you have to treat it that way, you know, or you don't have, but you know, I recommend you treat it that way because, uh, there's no way to know if they would go to that. And, and, you know, the impulsivity, other conditions and boom, they, they will do, you know, they won't be able to stop the next thing. And, and somebody who, the way you're describing it is having the transient, transient psychotic break or however they describe it and, or may have something else going on. Um, yeah, definitely. You're not safe to be anywhere near that person. <coughs> oh, to see, that makes sense. It's hard for me to accept that I've hurt someone sometimes. I just want things to be normal right away after a fight. Well, see, and that's what people with BPD largely do want. But, you know, when a fight happens and whatever's happened for you and then, you know, and the fight happens, you get stuff out in a way that is repeating things from your past that maybe you're not aware of yet. And then, and then you feel better. And, but the other person is feeling what they're feeling based on the fight and whatever you said or did and, you know, whatever happened there. And, um, they don't want, and, and in fact, sometimes they might give a person with BPD back normal right after, but this is where they accrue more and more pain, more and more woundedness. And it doesn't mean that you intend for that to happen, but this is what's going on on the other side. And Lisa, um, didn't speak to her for a month. And contacted domestic, well, yes, good, therapist. Um, she wanted to know what happened because she said she didn't remember most of it. When I told her, she cried and checked into um, psych. Um, well, okay, fine. But, like, she needs a full assessment because it doesn't, I mean, doesn't sound like just BPD. And um, so, yeah, but still... Uh, and, and, and her not remembering it in the case of what you're describing sounds like a psychotic break. I'm sure she didn't remember it. And that blackout aspect of, of, of the whole thing. So, um, and you know, when you told her she cried, well, but still you need to take care of you. This person is going to need multi multifaceted major therapy for years. And until unless they do that, no way can you put your life on the line to try to trust them. So I can see where that would be compelling, but you have to remember the the impulsive person 
who gets psychotic rages and is out of control and 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 you're 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 at risk big time there uh when that happens dave so do the people on the other side so do the people on the other side but it seems like both sides don't trust the apology for their own set of reasons well and and i think what out to see is kind of um sharing as a person with bpd whether they're aware of it or not i'm trying to be very gentle in the way i put this but they it seems like out to see would be and i'm sorry for saying i'm not trying to use it as an example but somebody with bpd who just doesn't understand the impact right feels bad after a fight whatever happens and but wants to get close again right away and doesn't understand what the other what 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 the other person is going through and then that can further trigger people with bpd too and sometimes and for people with bpd if if you haven't got enough treatment yet to stop the behavior altogether whatever you're adding into when the fight happens which may then be you know two people um one reacting you know then um it's important to to learn more about that in therapy for people with BPD. And it's important for codependents to realize that even when, like O2C said, they feel really bad after they hurt someone, but they can't stop doing it. So a person with BP apologizing after, no offense, O2C, might well mean the apology, but without more therapy and understanding of what's going on for them and what they're triggered and what the triggers go to, they can apologize and mean it, but it's not going to change behavior. It's going to keep happening because it's repetition compulsion cycles, which again, I'm not excusing it. And then people with codependency shouldn't be apologizing to people who are hurting them, you know? So there's that too. So apologies in the middle of this relational impossibility actually serve, don't serve either side. And um, Lisa, I thought she was going um, to that night. Well, exactly, you see. And you don't want to be in that position again because guess what? What you're describing is she could she could do that to you and not even be consciously aware of it. You don't want to take that chance. And you screamed for your life and it snapped her out of it. And you got away. She went to court, but they let her go. Well... But you know, you you probably I would I would just say my two cents worth here is not only do you need to stay in no contact, you need to get a restraining order. because uh, you need to document unfortunately and whatever documentation you have prior. But you know, the reality is what you're describing, she could take your life, go to court, and not be held legally responsible for it. And that's not because of BPD, that's because of the psychotic break. So I hope you're hearing me that you just need to stay no contact, get into therapy, work on it, learn a discipline, learn coping and tools and skills as you fight your way to maintaining no contact. But it's really important that you do. And, and even more so for what you're describing than the average person with, with the average person with BP, if I could put it that way. And uh, out to see, um, it makes me feel unsafe when someone I love is hurt by me. Um, like it, like it means they don't love me anymore. 
I hope you're still in therapy, and I mean that with all due respect, because, you know, you're kind of almost to a point of awareness, but wow, you have a blind spot still there. And I don't say that to be judgmental, because you said it makes you feel unsafe when someone that you love is hurt by you. So that's all about you, right? So what about the other person? How do you think they feel? You're feeling unsafe because you hurt them. How unsafe do you think they're feeling? Because they're having their own experience there. So all I'm really trying to point out to you is, you know, therapy, more therapy so that you can understand what I'm saying so you can know it for yourself. That will help you be able to change behavior and understand the behavior and the triggers so that you can, yes, really change a lot and work toward healing. And then you said, uh, like, it means they don't love you anymore. Well, if you just hurt somebody, they may or may not still have love for you, depending how long you've been with them and how many times this has happened. But people are going to distance from the person with BP that's hurt them. And whether they still feel love or not, they've been hurt. They, they need to feel what they're feeling. And that's what people with BPD often don't understand, the other side of it. And um, I'm sorry, because again, I don't want to use you as an example in any way that you would feel invalidated, but but you are expressing exactly what it is that happens from a lot of people with BPD that, like what I've always been explaining to people who get hurt by people with BPD, that like, see, you're just not aware of what's happening to the other person at all. Sounds like you kind of care, but but after the fact. And so, you know, I hope you get more treatment in therapy because you can really, you can really grow and change this because you said it makes you feel unsafe when, when you've hurt someone. So, so what about how they're feeling? It doesn't sound like you can do that anymore. And then you're worried about if they love you anymore. And, and this is what you need to understand more about, because this is why I don't know what your life experience is. But if you haven't experienced it yet, this is why people will leave you because, and you don't understand why. So, you know, if you get into treatment, you'll understand why, number one. And number two, you can make a lot of changes so that you don't keep going through those cycles and hurting others and then hurting yourself and et cetera. Oh, Roller Girl, I, I still don't have a name for her. So, uh, I'm so I, I haven't had enough time to sit down and just really go through hammering out names. And the other thing is, which I need to do, it's my process with this. But the other thing is I'm just kind of getting to know her a little better, her personality. So I'll definitely, um, you know, I've got one little video coming, um, of, of how her and Buffy just about took each other's heads off or like Buffy really overwhelmed her and scared her. And that that's because it was the first time they played. And so, by the way, I should just, just say, <laughs> This this room in, in the apartment is a mess because there's like stocked up groceries that were stocked up before and whatnot. It's where the dogs get to play and everything. It's not the living room proper in this apartment because it's actually, I don't think I've ever explained this before, but why would I? But I will now. Um, it's, it's like a two-floor apartment. And so, you know, you can use different areas away, but, but we actually have a living room and it's actually upstairs. So I just want you to know, when you see the video, you'll see that it's kind of a mess. And you'd think, is that your living? No, 
it's kind of like an extra space and that's where you know dog stuff happens groceries are overflowing and you know you know you'll see i tried to not show as much of that as i could because uh we're we're still working on trying to do find a place to put that stuff um oh you said cool graphic by the way thanks yeah i actually like found the middle thing and then um changed the color of the whole thing and then um this really weird effect like i don't know when i was just changing the color of the background if you see that it looks like sort of like implying like don't bend uh, do you bend or do you break which i should talk about that actually and sort of like little cracks kind of like in the color there i did i didn't design i mean that wasn't all purposeful but i'm like hey that works <laughs> so anyway it's a little different which is important once in a while right and Lisa said, yeah, a combo of uh, very severe things. Definitely, yes. Stay no contact, Lisa. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, because seriously, your life may depend on it. And it's not that she'd want to do that, but it could happen. And then, like, you know. And Otis, um, Talisa, I'm no therapist, but that sounds like, no, no, you're wrong to go there. It's not antisocial personality disorder at all. And it's not secondary psychopathy. And there are YouTubers out there who don't know what the frick they're talking about. And you know who I mean, Otis. And I get enough grief from them as it is. But it's not secondary psychopathy and it is not antisocial personality disorder. It it's what I said it is. This person has likely got BPD, and they have a psych. There, there's something going on with a, a psychotic disorder. So it's not secondary psychopathy. There's no psychosis, and secondary psychopathy doesn't mean anything. Number one, and in um, a proper psychopath, they're not psychotic. So. Um, but yeah, the rest of what you said certainly applies. And by the way, I'm trying to educate, not criticize. So I hope you understand where I'm coming from. Because I know there are other YouTubers out there that people watch and you're getting the wrong information from them. Just there's no other way. There's no gentle way I can put it. Maybe other things resonate. Other things are, you know, but yeah, 
the, they just, there are a couple YouTubers out there that just conflate all the terminology because they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, doesn't matter to me that they don't know what they're talking about, but then when you make that suggestion, because I happen to know, just, you know, took a look at a channel and saw that you comment, no, no problem, be wherever you want to be, but be careful in taking in some YouTubers' misuse of terminology, and they don't understand one thing from the other. And and then, you know, you can decide whether you think that I know what I'm talking about or not versus that's up to you. Um, out to sea, um, that's okay. What you're saying makes sense to me. Well, I'm glad. I hope it's helpful to you too because, you know, I, I'm trying to give you that utmost respect as, as just like anyone else. Um, and Dave, when she raged, I would run away after I would apologize, um, extensively, uh, in an honest, vulnerable way that I felt rejected by her anger. She would never forgive me for the abandonment. Yeah. And you know, I mean, not again, but if, if, if you just look back at what out to see is sharing, uh, it's, it's because there was no awareness of it, which again, doesn't excuse it. And it's very painful. And you said, held it over my head indefinitely while denying her behavior that incited my reaction. Yeah, and, and you know, if, if, if you can just read again what Out to Sea said, it might help you to realize that when, when you... So for you, she was denying her behavior. For her, she wasn't even aware of her behavior, which, by the way, doesn't excuse it. Um... And then she would have no reference for your reaction. You know, just as Out to Sea said, that they feel unsafe when they've hurt someone. And then they're worried that the person won't love them anymore. Which is, is just means that they're not aware of the other person's experience. And Dave, um, when I was subjected to emotional abuse, I would become unstable. Well, and, and, and that happens for most people in one way or another. Um, and then she would judge me for being unstable while denying her behavior. And again, maybe not being aware of her behavior, but still, that's not okay. Um, so, yeah, denying or being unaware of her behavior. And then when you say that incited it, that you became unstable, that's where it gets a little dicey because, yes, I hear you that she started something, she was triggered, she did something, and you reacting. But kind of like you have to take responsibility for your reaction, even though what she did, you know, doesn't make any sense and is not okay. And you said it's an impossible double standard and it feels terrible for people on the other side. Yes, absolutely it does. And out to see, I guess haven't thought about the other person. Well, exactly. And, you know, I don't mean this in any judgmental way, but this is what happens. People with BPD until unless you get more significant treatment therapy they don't you don't see like what Dave was you know describing people with BPD do not understand their impact on others uh or if they do a little bit but not much and and even if they do it's not going to stop the behavior the denial is likely that they really don't get it but this is still very untenable to people with codependency and when this happens to you it's time to leave. These are deal breakers in relationships that between people with BPD and codependency, 
our unconscious setups from the get-go of how it's not going to work for either person, for the person with BPD or the codependent. Not that anybody is doing that on purpose with BPD, but they still need to get to treatment to be able to stop that, to have a healthy relationship because it's relational impossibility. Otis, today, if I can relate to the denying and double standard events you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Well, and I hope that maybe it's a little instructive here as to the fact that whether the person with BPD or knows what's happening or not, or like for you, they often don't. Uh, yeah, it's like, this is why people, this should be deal breakers for people in these relationships to leave and um, take care of themselves. But of course, that's really complicated with codependency. Tom, two weeks ago, my ex's therapist called the police during the telehealth, and the police came to her house and took her to the hospital. Well, I guess that's what needed to happen. Um, and um, and that's what we have to be prepared to do in working um, with people online. Uh, Roller Girl, that's cool that you have two levels at home. Yeah, it is. It is. And and what's nice about it is, and the dogs never get to the other level. So it's nice and clean and comfy and cozy. And the one in the middle is, you know, a crazy mess right now. And you're even going to see how the floors are. <laughs> I haven't kept up the mop and the floors. Got to get that done. But uh, my partner and I are going to work on that together. And, you know, she's just busy, busy with some stuff. And, and her work right now. And so, yeah. And of course the puppies make an even bigger, I'm going to leave the part in the video. No, I, I probably, no, I can't. That's right. I have to edit it because I don't want uh building management to see her doing what she did on the floor. Cause there are people, but you know, she just, she hasn't learned anything about where to go yet. So she's starting to pick favorite places in the one room. That's all pee padded up, which is good because as they have a favorite place and they start going in the same place, then you can start removing pee pads and then they learn, aha, go over there. Um, that's just the first step in, in all this. Um, yeah, well, and, and, uh, yeah, a lot of people with codependency do end up apologizing when it was a reaction to their behavior. Yeah. But you know, if it goes too far, then, but you know, it's just like, you know, if, if you're not getting an apology, should you be apologizing? It's, it's tough stuff. Um, yeah. And Davey said, but, but yet we stay. I know because it's like I said, it, it, these are deal breakers, but the codependency definitely gets in the way. Lisa, she keeps getting misdiagnosed, um, here. She knows she needs help in going through GBT therapy outpatient now, but she said, quote, it's not going to work, unquote. Her psych, um, said bipolar, hospital said BPD, not good mental health care. The hospital she was, the hospital she was one was horrible and not helpful at all. Um, yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but that's just going to complicate everything. And with, with, with something else going on besides the BPD where she's having the psychotic break or she may have more psychosis, which I don't know that that would be bipolar either. 
So it's a very complicated diagnosis to make, and, and it needs to be a thorough assessment. And all I can tell you right now is it's Gucci's and DBT therapy, but it it's it it's just not it's you know not going to touch the reason why she has other things co-occurring there. So it you know I know that things can be well it's not your responsibility, but what she needs to do and take responsibility for is just get another opinion, get a full assessment. I I think a lot of it is I don't know if she's seen a, a shrink or what. I'm not saying all that, but a lot of them are just, you know, assessing based on what the person says instead of using the assessment tools they need to. Um, that's a complicated diagnosis waiting to happen, though. And in the meantime, DBT therapy is not going to be her whole solution by a long shot, um, unfortunately. And Dave, trying to get love from someone who can't reciprocate it, well, can't accept your love and, and doesn't... Uh, have love to give uh not like in any adult healthy way reliving a scenario from our own childhood yes um and lisa oh to otis yes and um well and you know i i step in quickly here because i kind of have more of a responsibility i suppose and uh and i just don't want to see people and i've done it before so i hope otis doesn't take it personally uh, when people make suggestions out of out of the blue like that, and and it's just obvious that's not you know nobody should do that anyway. These people are not um, they don't need to be diagnosed by you for you to know that you need to take care of yourself, get into your own healing recovery process. They need to be diagnosed, and 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 even a lot of professionals are blowing it. So yeah, but they need to be professionally assessed and diagnosed. Um, out to see it's helpful. It's making um, me think. I'm glad you did the live stream tonight. Well, and I'm glad that you're open to hearing what I've said and that you're thinking about it. That's great. Out to see. And Dave, my reactions to that, yes, were to become unstable, like losing all self confidence and becoming a frightened shell of myself. Yeah, which is both. It sounds like a combination, Dave, of a freeze and pawn codependency response. Um, unattractive to her, well, so she would say, right? It was hardly the issue, though. Um, but I became that way in response to the push-pull. Yes, awful feeling. And and something that you need to realize that, and then when that person with BPD was saying, and, and so this is your fault, this is your problem, look at you. I mean, they weren't understanding the effect that they were having, the impact that they were having, and they took no responsibility. And that's when they, you know, externalize and dump on the, onto the other person, which is not even about you. But, of course, it's personal when you're, you're the one getting hurt. But the thing is, keep remembering, it wasn't about you. It wasn't about anything that you did. Oh, don't worry about the typos. Jeez, if I started typing, it would really look like some other language. Um, Lisa, yeah, she lies to the therapist. Well, that's not going to help either. Um, she said she told one once that I was the one, oh yes, lots of false accusations against me. They have no idea how sick she is, I don't think. Well, yeah, and even more reason why, you know, you need to get focusing on you more and stay no contact, and that means block her on everything and don't accept emails and don't make it so she can't phone you and, hey, 
if you live close and she's going to show up, first time she shows up, you call the police. It's unwanted contact. You have to take care of yourself, Lisa. She's got a long way to go to even be figured out by professionals. And so, and it, and it's unfortunate because like you said, when you told her she cried, I mean, but there's something happening there that's even worse than BPD and, or a part of that and something else that's making it really complicated. But even though she doesn't want to behave that way, I guess I would, sorry out to see, but hopefully you're learning from others and others can learn from you in this way. Look back to what out to see has expressed as a person with BPD and you'll see how there just isn't that awareness of what happens for people in fights or who, who people with BPD are hurting and then sometimes codependents react and hurt back. But the thing is, um, yeah, just can't stress that no contact enough. And, and that's another thing too, you know, so these codependent patterns, right. And, and the way that they inhibit people getting out of the relationships and getting into their own healing recovery, you need to end the relationship or if they've left and end it right there, don't leave it open to Hoover's go, no contact. I know it feels impossible for people, but it's the action that people need to take. Then you get yourself into therapy. Then you figure it all out. Then you learn how to deal with it. And so with, with this, um, you know, like picture on here, do you bend or break? We'll see so many people with codependency are bending, bending, bending beyond all limits and boundaries, even if they don't know what their limits and boundaries are. I guess what happens, like trees are designed to bend in the wind, obviously, but guess what happens in big storms, right? Trees break. They get uprooted totally. So it's like, if you're bending and, and you were somebody with VP who, you know, isn't aware enough yet or treated well enough yet or untreated totally, and they cannot change what they're doing, as difficult as it is, you have to get yourself out of there. And if you get ghosted or discarded, very painful, very horrible, but that's where you need to say, so this is the end and I go in no contact from here. Because if you keep bending, you could potentially break. So, uh, I just thought I'd reference that since it's right there, you know, and might be just another way to say that or bring, drive that point home. Cause what people with codependency also have to become more aware of and realize or not become more aware of, but realize, Oh, I keep forgetting my stupid subscribe thing. I'm sure people enjoy when I do forget that. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, it feels impossible because of the unhealthy bond because how it's replicating things from childhood even more than how you feel about the person in the here and now, believe it or not. But with that, you know, people really need to push against all how impossible it feels, how upsetting it is, how bad you feel, how guilty you feel, all the different feelings. People need to just push through that, which is like, not. It, it's just a matter of doing. It's not going to feel okay. I'm not going to feel, quote, right, unquote. Nobody's going to, quote, feel ready, unquote, for no contact. So, yeah, it's it's like this is where people need to find, I don't know, there's lots of ways to say it, but just, just get into the action of no contact and then get in, get into therapy or get into therapy first, no contact, 
and then learn how to deal with it. Because doing trying to do it the other way around keeps blocking people's codependencies trying to heal and trying to break that unhealthy bond. And um, Lisa, I've been good at no contact for long periods after um, everything's happened. I'm just trying to avoid words for the AI. I apologize because, you know, um, he said, but eventually I cave and answer the phone. Aha, change your number this time so she can't call you. She called last night and I ignored. I knew I had to very hard. Well, see, there you've got yourself in a bind, right? Because you know that, and you can hold a no contact, but guess what? This is going to undermine you every single time. You need to change the phone number. It's not just enough to block her number because then she's going to call on the unknown number, etc. And you're still going to not have that. It's like you got to dig a moat between emotionally between yourself and her. And you're not going to have that until you change your phone number. So it's like blocking all avenues of contact. That includes a phone. And for some people, you know, maybe they can deal. It's it's just not wise, though, to just uh, block them on the phone and then they can call from unknown numbers or by disguising their number. It's really important to just change the phone number. And it can be complicated in people's lives, but the more that, you know, you're, you're like, you know, great that you had the discipline to not pick up the phone, but that won't always be the case, right? Unless and until you get into more healing and recovery. I don't know where you are with this, but um, that's putting yourself at risk by not taking the action of making it so she can't call anymore. And of course, why does that feel like something you probably don't really want to have to do? Because you still want to be able to talk to her. You still want something to change. But that's the denial part. That's a part that you have to move beyond anyway. And then work at therapy to, you know, work it out from there. So, um, and especially with someone who is, unfortunately, obviously not a bad person, but a very dangerous person, nonetheless. So, I I just hope that this information and what people are sharing and asking, I hope it helps others as well, because... You know, this is really serious stuff in people's lives. And with the codependency and the unhealthy bonds, you know, the T-bonds, sorry that I'm talking so funny here, there's a reason. <laughs> but with that, like, you really got to get into your own therapy and focus on yourself and leave it up to the people with BPD and or in the case of Lisa's ex, whatever else is happening. You got to let go. You gotta, you gotta bend and let go before you get, you break or you get broken in the many ways that that can actually happen, including the worst possible. Uh, EPR, uh, why does my BPD ex get along with her current partner? Well, probably cause they're in that phase right now. Um, oh, she cuts some slack. Well, you know, it's probably uh, her codependency. So it's not even the BPD as much as it's her codependency with the BPD, why she's cutting him slack, and then don't know what her childhood was like, but it's likely that she's re-experiencing something very familiar from her childhood. 
And you said, I got silent treatment from her for days if I made a left turn after she said make a right. Um, well, I mean, the getting along with her current partner, uh, don't know how long it's been, number one. Number two, who who she got for a partner right now but somebody who is not going to be, well, somebody that's replicating something from her childhood. And also, um, somebody that isn't going to be emotionally available. So she's not going to feel close to this person in the way that's going to trigger the devaluation split. So, and, and with you, cause I take it, you weren't, you weren't like this person at all that she's with now, uh, you know, they can't take in your love. They can't love like, like adult love. Okay. Or healthy love. And so with you probably got triggered to devaluation because it it's hard to say this, right? But, but the more reasonable you are, the kinder you are, the more you love, the more you would never hurt them. It's not that they want to go and be with somebody who will hurt them. But again, it's repetition compulsion from the unconscious to seek out what's more familiar. So she found a guy that's more familiar than you were to whatever her past adverse experience is. But beyond that, it, you know, it seems nonsensical, but it's, it's, I don't know. I can't, can't compare, but if people with codependency look at how entrenched your patterns are and how difficult they are to break, imagine a pattern even more entrenched, which is the pattern of the untreated person with BPD. And especially when they're going to seek out somebody, she probably didn't on purpose, but this time ended up with a partner, uh, who's, uh, if we, if we can use that terminology for this, who's, um, replicating her adverse experience. And that's just, uh, you know, um, on, on the borderline side of repetition compulsion, she's doing what people on the other side, codependency do, uh, and, and not knowingly, not consciously. And I know that this is so difficult for people, but you know, EPR, the one thing you got to know is she's not really getting along with this person better. It's not healthier. In fact, it sounds a whole lot worse. And again, I would just encourage you to focus on where you're at and continue to work in your process of healing and recovery from codependency and the relationship to not keep coming back, which is hard, but to not over-focus on what she's doing with whom right now because you're getting yourself into that slippery slope of comparative narrative where you're probably thinking like, Hey, I'm, but I'm a good guy. And, and, and how come she's sticking with this one and like treating me the way she treated me, but it's because they can't take in the good because of what they've been through in childhood. That is foreign to them. Um, and Otis said, no contact is super hard. The most difficult part, I leave a door open um, here and there and fall back into it every time. Healing seemed to really only start after no contact. Oh, you're very welcome, Otis. And um, yes, and thank you for sharing that because I think every time somebody who's got to no contact and held it, and when and you realize that, so you've learned that, and then you just sharing that here um, also will help others, you know, maybe on the stream or maybe people that watch it back. So, and I'm really glad for you that you know that even though no contact is super hard, that 
that's what you really needed to do. And, um, and the healing is starting to happen because no contact makes that much more possible. So, um, but with that, I think this would be a good time for me to get going because I'm going to have some more puppy nonsense happening here any minute. want to try to keep these shorter, more to the information, etc., which I think benefits people the most. And so, um, yeah, I, I hope it's helpful. And also, uh, just want to thank everybody for, um, you know, popping in and also what you shared and supporting each other. And I think it's really interesting that out to sea is here, person with BPD that we we we're not don't I don't mean that in any devaluing way whatsoever. And um yeah, people can learn from each other. And hopefully this will help others and and yeah. So anyway, I really appreciate what everybody shared and um and uh hopefully I was helpful in some way and hopefully others that that reached out to each other were helpful to each other as well. So please hit that like button if you haven't. And um, please remember on this channel to support it's growing in the algorithm. It's not about my ego. Please remember if you watch a video and you don't totally hate it or anything, please hit the like thumbs up button. It helps in the algorithm. And uh, so everybody take care. And uh, it's been a, been a pleasure. And I want to keep these more, like I said, information focused, short, shorter. Did some really long ones lately. So, yeah, everybody take care. Look forward to seeing you again. And uh, going to have a lot more information coming on the channel geared more to the moving forward process. And uh, that might come in all kinds of different subject areas, like, you know, the inner critic, how to increase emotional intelligence, all kinds of moving pieces that are part of codependency too. And by the way, when I'm talking about if you need to increase your emotional intelligence, I hope nobody feels like I'm not saying you don't have any, but these are just, there's so many moving pieces underneath this recovery. And I think the more information I start to just put out instead of just staying in this kind of BPD codependent back and forth narrative video, um, hopefully people will watch. I have one coming up, 25 ways that, you know, kind of just self-help suggestions that you could practice daily that might help you. Maybe not all 25 of them, but maybe one or two of them. And, and that's not a replacement for therapy either, but some information like that. And I hope that's going to be helpful to people. But hey, if only five people watch the video and it helps one, then I think it's worth doing. So that I'm going to have more coming, but I'm going to stop saying what it is until I get it ready. And then I'll let you know. Anyway, everybody take care. And I hope you have a good night. And whatever you are dealing with, be kind to yourselves. You know, try to reach into that inner child if you can. And, and if that's not possible, then just don't follow the critique that, you know, the judgment or being hard on yourself of an inflamed inner critic. So take good care. You've been listening to the Surviving BPD Relationship Breakups podcast with counselor and trauma recovery coach, AJ Mahari keeping it real to help you heal. Abuse is not love. You can find this podcast website with blogs and more information and purchase some book sessions with AJ Mahari at ajmahari.ca to help you with your healing and recovery journey from any relationship type with somebody with borderline personality. 
Please also check AJ's other website, bpdbreakups.com, for blog posts and more information. AJ's membership site can be found at ajmahari.co. Please keep tuning in. And if you're not subscribed to AJ Mahari's YouTube channel, please check it out at youtube.com slash ajmahari. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.